you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube to see channels for both CHHA 1610 AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show at both SoundCloud.com and at iTunes Podcasts by searching under Mediation Station. We also have a Twitter account. It's at Fenton Mediation, so follow us. Our topic tonight is called Diversity Mediation and Decision Making with our visitors Cheryl Lewis Torab and Trisha Gazarek. Laura Tarsio will be here with us very shortly. So, Laura. Greg. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Thank you for coming back. My pleasure, as always. Thank you for Appreciate inviting Appreciate it. Me. Yep. We're going to have a, a wholesome, fulsome conversation tonight. It definitely sounds like we will. I am uh, very excited, as usual. And uh, uh, you know very well that diversity, especially in mediation and um, as it relates to decision-making, is, uh, is one of my, uh, my favorite topics. And um, I, uh, I feel like we, we, can't, we can't learn enough about it, and we can't talk enough about it or discuss enough about it. So I'm really excited to, uh, to be part of the, tonight's topic. All right. Then we're going to engage our two visitors, Cheryl and Tricia, in the conversation. So, Cheryl, you've been here before. Tricia, this is your first time here. So how about you start off just uh, by sharing one at a time a little bit about your professional backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as um, Greg indicated, I am Sharon lewis Thurab, and um, my professional background is speaker, coach, and facilitator. I also have a background in mediation from my former job where I was the respect in the workplace policy advisor, along with the mediator. Um, but um, currently, again, I'm speak, um, doing speaking, coaching, and facilitation services, so that's very exciting. And again, I am so pleased to be here and to be talking tonight about this really exciting topic, something that um, tends to be you know, pushed under the rug. So I think it's going to be great for us to bring this to the fore. Or maybe not even acknowledge in the first place. That's right. Hi, good evening, Greg. Uh, thank you very much for welcoming me here this evening, uh, Laura and Cheryl. Great to be with you this evening. So um, my foray into mediation uh, came about uh, from deciding not to be a lawyer, and uh, this was a decision I made uh, eight years ago, and um, it was a difficult decision to make at that time because I was very focused on uh, becoming a lawyer at that time and really excited about what was, po- what was possible um, as a lawyer. However, I didn't see the uh, marriage uh, in uh, having a work-life balance, and that was simply because the examples that I was uh, working with and working for they were the Bay Street lawyers. You know, you're you're doing 16, 20-hour days, and it's it's a arduous grind, a very respected grind. But um, I wanted to create an environment where I was able to, um, you know, have some time with my family at home. And um, I said, okay, well, I I can't see myself 
committing to the the law practice, knowing that this is the design of the work environment. And um, if I had known, perhaps there were um, you know other avenues lawyers were taking at that time, I would have explored it. Still going to law school, but I just thought. Let me not bother. Um, so I, I ended up doing a bit of research as to what I could do to um, uh, use my skill set and my, my undergraduate degree. Uh, found the, that Durham College was offering their, their inaugural postgrad and mediation service. Took that program, um, completed that. Took on my first really big case where it was like 20 persons, a community mediation um, issue, and I thought, okay, it took a while to, to complete because of how many persons were involved. The, the issues were quite complex, and I was, as I was completing that mediation process, I thought, oh, I need to get more. <laughs> I am, I am way, way uh, over uh, in my head on this one. So I went ahead and completed my master's uh, in conflict analysis through Royal Roads. And um, as I was completing it, I uh, had some experience uh, working with small businesses. I went to the UN Ombudsman's office, um, gathered some great experience in that office, came back, completed my master's degree and um, started uh, my business. So I incorporated, went from sole, pr- sole proprietor or sole practitioner, what is the sole word I'm looking for? Sole proprietor yeah. to uh, a mm-hmm. corporation. And um, it's been great as a corporation because um, I've been able to capture um, some great opportunities doing so. And um, yeah, so today uh, to talk about diversity, it's it's that great opportunity that's been afforded because I am now in a position to say, no, 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 I, I, I participate in this activity and support your business um, or, you know, your public sector issue in a way that um, addresses their need to look like they're supplying diverse suppliers or, you know, things like that. So it's it's a very unique space that I've been able to, to create and know that I'm I'm swimming in something much more healthy and, uh, I, and I'm not choking, I'm, I'm actually... Pretty, pretty good swimmer. <laughs> I would say, though, that there's a fundamental difference in the approach with law relative to the approach with mediation. And, you know, in order to practice either, one has to connect with the approach. And so, yes, at one time I, too, wanted to be a lawyer. And then I fundamentally found that I was not of that approach. I'm more of a collaborative and cooperative kind of mindset and approach rather than an adversarial and positional person how about you I, i'm definitely positional I, yeah i just i i, I don't yeah, yeah i'm still trying to find the benefit in collaboration what is that um no i'm, I'm absolutely of the same mindset and you and i have connected over that absolutely it's in there's no there's no question about it uh, that's collaboration and and finding common ground and uh, at the very least uh, trying to reflect upon the many pieces that a common ground can can become it's uh, it's very important. So I, um, I I I do I do uh, concur with uh, with uh, very different skill skill sets needed for uh, yes for uh, for law law practice law degree as opposed to uh, a collaborative uh, practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna delve right into the topic just because we're uh, we're moving and um, I, I'm wondering whoever would like to answer. Um, what is the most intriguing about the work that you do with people experiencing conflict? What a great question. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you, Cheryl. The most intriguing uh, aspect I find about this work where I am supporting uh, 
people through an issue is really getting to a census to their nature what they want to see out of the workplace what they want to see as something that fits their ideals and all of us have different ideals as to what we would like to see in any given workplace so the intriguing part for me is is pulling all these different notions as to what they thought would work best and showing them that you know there is there's this spectrum as to what they're they're seeing as their best interest in and having that conversation as to what is most appropriate you know that's that's often the 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 phrase that mediators land on what is most appropriate isn't it's probably not the most the best appropriate to who right so in in the context of the workplace it's appropriate to you know that group of individuals what what is their what is their idea for the the most appropriate workplace setting and their engagement with each other and so the intriguing piece is is that part of them that says I I'm still committed to work here I'm still very happy to to produce and be involved however let's mm-hmm. address X first so uh, Trisha thank you very much you were just answering um, one of one of the most challenging I think questions in, <laughs> in this in this field and um, Cheryl would like to hear from you as well what do you think it's the most sort of intriguing piece when working with people in conflict or spaces mm-hmm. uh, where conflict exists yeah so in my area of work which is as a certified career and life skills coach or empowerment coach as I prefer to call myself I'm dealing more with people that are experiencing internal conflict so you know, there's more conflict within themselves, but then you also have people who are experiencing conflict with others, um, but um, more dealing with them on a, one, on a one-on-one mm-hmm. basis. The most intriguing thing for me is when people get to that aha moment where they realize uh, that, you know, things can change and they're no longer experiencing that fog, you mm-hmm. know, that, that fear, and they've come to the point of overcoming that and you, you actually can see when they get to that point and now progress is being made. So they go from mm. being angry to now, you know, you, you see them go through the whole process and then there's some positivity and mm. light at the end of the tunnel. So seeing that whole metamorphosis for me is really intriguing. Where you feel you, in your role as a maybe a mediator, facilitator, coach, you've mm-hmm. had some way to contribute? to helping people move from where they were at to hopefully a better place? Absolutely, because you're able to facilitate that discussion, right? And, um, you know, people are going through this this conflict, whether it's internal conflict or conflict with someone else. And, you know, as I indicated, it's more of a one-on-one that you're dealing with people. But I think that um, I'm able to play a huge role in getting that person to really see where they were at and where they where they can end mm-hmm. up you know and that i find to be very exciting just seeing that change that i know that i have helped to bring about so what do uh, each of you feel diversity means to you that's a big word <laughs> though people tend to pigeonhole it a certain way anyways mm-hmm. how do each of you see that word diversity is a powerful, transforming, possibly, um, I'm I'm losing my sense, but powerful and transforming. Let's use those two words to begin with, yes. Tool 
I th it, language tool, skill set tool, um, way of being, way of, of seeing life, way of engaging, um, where you're not looking at anything or anyone with limits. And I think that's what's really um, at the core of diversity. When you when you truly appreciate um, and are able to understand and walk in that person's shoe, uh, whether it's it's fragmented or it's it's in the most minute sense, but you took a second to say, I am going to try my best to understand what it means to live, for example in a Caribbean woman's shoe. And even so far, you want to say, be more specific, because Car the Caribbean has so many islands. You want to say, I, I want to know what it's like to live in a woman from Guyana who's lived there and then came to Canada and emigrated and is trying to transform her life here. Or what does it mean for an uh, indigenous person to say, I am actually going to be uh, strong enough and find the resources I need to find to create a life and sustain myself outside of my reserve, which is everything I've known so far in life. And to, to understand and appreciate the, in some capacity what strength that other person has to exercise every single day because they're living an, you know, the, the uncommon expectation. They're not the you know, and forgive me for being blunt here, but they're not mm. the Caucasian white male. They're not that Anglo male. We make no apologies <laughs> here. <laughs> we are okay. what we are. Whatever you see, that is they're, me. They're, they're That's not, fine. You can, you can the, speak your mind. They're not that um, frame. And so, you know, when you're not that frame, it's it, you're often fighting with, okay, how do I either work with it, work around it, work through it? And so if there's anyone who's working with persons who are experiencing conflict, if you are able to say, I am going to exercise 10% more of appreciation as to what it means to, to walk in that person's shoe, I'm doing them a great service to buy into the value of mediation. Okay. And Cheryl? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I came across this really interesting description of um, diversity. But before I, before I say that, for me, diversity means recognizing that we are all different and really appreciating and respecting each other's differences. And, you know, like you said, making no apologies for it, right? Um, so I came across this, and it says that um, it described diversity as different individuals valuing each other regardless of skin, intellect, talents and years and I felt that for me that that said it all you know that we can actually learn to um, that everybody is different and that we are each individuals and we come with different values and different backgrounds you know cultural background ethnicity and um, just appreciate that and in terms of working with clients that we we take the time to first understand, you know, each client a bit about where they're coming from, you know. So as Trisha was saying, in terms of um, walking in someone else's shoes, for example, um, coming from, from Trinidad, the values that we would have there, let's say in terms of um, mediation, you know, is quite different to those that you'll have here because in Trinidad, 
going to um, a mediator or to counseling would be seen as airing your dirty linens. Whereas here, you know, even small kids would be allowed to go through these various processes. You know, so again, it's understanding the cultural differences and the backgrounds and values, etc. So all of that plays into um, making diversity what it is. Very, very diverse answers, <laughs> diverse views. Um, how do you, and you touched Cheryl on, on it, and you also, Trisha, how do you practice um, diversity in mediation? In how, how, do you, how do you bring that world view, right? How do you bring, it's like diversity is more for me than to watch diversity is also to acknowledge within, so us, right. what we bring. So how do you practice that in your mediation or in, in the settings where there is conflict um, and diversity? Personally, my, uh, and I started answering the, the original mm -hmm. question, um, my exercise of diversity is, is in the way I communicate. I am very conscientious of how I'm communicating with everyone. And it is extremely important for me to tap into that emotional intelligence piece to say, if I'm going to say something, is this going to register appropriately with that individual? And sort of wait for the cues for the individual to say things like, you know, I would like to be called a black woman or a woman of color, because that's, that's a debate that's mm -hmm. ongoing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or I'd like to be called um, Indian or indigenous. You know, these are some of the realities that we do have to recognize. And I, in first engagements, have to ex exercise that reality of I don't know absolutely on face value what that person's lived experience is. So let me allow our conversation to reveal a bit more context mm -hmm. where I can apply some sensibility as to how I can best communicate with this person. And it's simply by teasing out that onion, like uh, revealing more and more about what is going on with their right. story. How are they How are they expressing themselves? How are they expressing the issues? To, to allow me to register, okay, this is the direction I need to go. Or no, veer, veer right instead. Mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that I'm being cognizant as to that play of diversity in communicating. Well, I mean, much of what... What's the difference with the word curiosity and the word judgment? Mm -hmm. When we approach people, do we already assume we know what they're, who they are and what they're about? Do we already have that context filled in? Or are we uh, providing a form or a space for people to self-identify, self-express, mm -hmm. self-determine? Right, yeah. right. I think um, it's, it's really important. Um, we can talk about neutrality, neutrality, right? But I think it is really important to understand that we all come with our biases, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how, we, we, how those biases play into the way we deal with people. You know, a lot of people might use something like, um, I don't see color. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that is just trying to push things under the rug because you have to see color unless you're colorblind, right? Um, it's really important, too, that in um, dealing with our clients that we first do our research. And even in meeting with the client, uh, you know, it's important to ask appropriate questions. You know, as Trisha alluded to, 
like if you have someone, let's say, from a reserve, well, none of us, well, I haven't been on a reserve and can't say that I truly understand their lived experiences. So it's important to ask questions, and it's okay when you don't know. To say you don't know and to be curious about um, what, we, what we need to know in, in order to effectively serve our clients. What, what do you think is the difference with acknowledging about diversity of practice and practicing diversity? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to take a stab at that. Um, diversity of practice. So let's say diversity of practice for me would be having different aspects um, mm-hmm. of, uh, of things that you do in, your, in terms of your practice, right? So you may, um, you can be, let's say, um, a workplace um, mediator mm-hmm. as well as a family mediator. I don't know that we have a lot of those, but those are two c- on two different ends of the spectrum. And I would see that as diversity of practice. Mm-hmm. But in terms of practicing diversity, and I think that is something that we, ne- we all need to do, um, we can talk about what happened recently, let's say, with, um, with Starbucks, you know, for mm-hmm. example, where you know, there was this issue, and clearly you can see that diversity was not being practiced in terms of the organization. There was no training, you know, for the staff and maybe even management. And they actually had to shut down the entire place for a day wow. in order to, um, to learn to practice or the practice mm-hmm. of diversity, right? And I think that more and more organizations need to understand how to practice diversity, right? So again, you know, to, to, to wrap it up, well, hopefully with a neat little bow, is diversity of practice I see as having different diverse aspects mm-hmm. to your practice, adding different diverse aspects and, you know, again, practicing diversity, which all organizations I think need to do would be having that type of um, training. Absolutely. Trisha, what do you think? I, uh, I, I actually saw this question a, l- a little bit different. So I, I saw acknowledging about diversity of practice mm-hmm. um, as sort of like one part of the question and then practicing diversity is the other part. Mm-hmm. And the challenge that I think many businesses, uh, organizations are having right now is they are um, actually doing a lot to acknowledge uh, diversity of practice. You see this um, in often uh, the the framework of corporate social responsibility. Um, They're doing a lot of uh, social engagements with communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're trying to drive up through their uh, employees um, different programs to uh, highlight how uh, inclusive they are of of the different uh, members of society. Mm -hmm. Um, Bringing that now to the actual ADR world, and mediation specifically or arbitration, this is an attempt that I see now coming through um, some of the larger um, uh, practice bodies that are trying to drive up uh, diverse individuals in that business. So um, there is a initiative that's gone through with uh, JAMS. It's uh, one of the larger organizations in uh, the U.S. Um, where they're actually having a... Um, diversity initiative to bring up uh, diversity in in ADR and um, 
that's a conversation that I'm not seeing very clearly in Canada, um, but it's it's a conversation that's happening internationally. So a lot of international uh, arbitration bodies are also uh, having conversations as to how are they meeting the needs of um, par- diverse parties, and yet uh, the uh, practitioner is not uh, diverse themselves. So that is a, a real challenge that um, the mediation ADR field has to address and I think address immediately and that has to be regardless of you know per- perceived importance of the individual com- com- completing the work um, and I say that because I think so many of the appointments are based on um, our prestige or you just know the right person at the right time versus practicing diversity is as we've been discussing it's the, the individual themselves in the process um, or the individual with um, outside of the process but needing to connect with uh, members of diverse communities and having to exercise an internal skill set, exercise that social intelligence, that emotional intelligence, that communication piece to say, I am, I am willing to take the additional step if, if, if it doesn't seem like I have been doing so to c- connect with this group that is, is quote-unquote underrepresented or, or marginalized. So that's where I see the differences. Um, and it's, it's a very strong difference because mm-hmm. I think uh, anyone can practice diversity and, and seem inclusive. However, um, actually raising the bar for diverse members that are um, practicing ADR is a harder hurdle to, to actually uh, achieve. Well, you know, with the idea of acknowledging, it's like, okay, I think about it. I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. Do you actually do it? Right, right. Do you incorporate that as your best practices, as your everyday approaches right. in terms right. of working with people who are different from oneself? Right, right. You know, the thing of Starbucks, that's great to put them for four hours of training. Mm-hmm. Really, how much tangible change will happen mm-hmm. to actually, it will open up the concept in some way, though to actually change the practice of the nature of the people who are working in those atmospheres, Mm -hmm. those settings, it's going to take much more than four hours of training. Right. So walking or talking and walking are two different things. Absolutely. we got to provoke, though. What I I had, so I was coaching up um, someone last year, and... It, you know, in our conversation, it came to uh, an aha moment, and this is a conversation about um, meeting the needs of uh, various sexual uh, orientation and gender in, in the workplace. And um, this individual was saying, okay, well, my needs are not met, and the upper echelon, it's all, you know, white male Caucasians, heterosexual, they all have wives, they all have children, grandchildren, whatever the case may be. But somehow there is a, a gap in understanding. And I said, well, if there's you know a mentoring program that's actually afforded in your program in, in your um, in your office, that should be something exercising. It's like, yeah, that's that's something, but it's you know, once, maybe twice a year. Mm-hmm. And the real change that is actually possible is when that person says, I'm going to submerge myself into your under, you know, underprivileged, under 
I, I'm going to try to walk a little bit reality. in your shoes as right. best as I can. Right. Well, reality is I'm not of your shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, it's it's not the the biannual mentor meeting. Or that the tokenism. Works. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It. I need to actually, like, take on more lunches with you. I need to have you sitting in with meetings with me. I need to hear you express yourself so that I can start chipping away my ignorance. Right. It's got to be fundamental change. Right. It's got to be core to its practice of whatever whatever workplace it is and the person doing the practice or the, the work. That has to be fundamental, not just it happens only when uh, me as a white person engages with someone who's different from me. Right. So maybe I don't engage with people who are different from me that often. So then it doesn't happen. It should be a common practice as a professional all the time. I agree. I agree. Because I think the reality is we are dealing with people who are often most, f- they're, they're weak, they are not weak physically, but they're emotionally torn. And so if we are able to appreciate where they're coming from that little bit more, mm-hmm. it's actually giving them a sense of semblance that they thought, oh, I am I'm lost in this conflict. And here is someone actually trying to understand me. What difference does it make, or would it make, whether diversity was actually practiced? Yeah, I think it would make um, a huge difference because um, people need to see themselves reflected in in terms of the workplace, right? So we can even talk about um, workplaces um, in terms of diversity, like. Uh, gender equity, you know, hiring more women or hiring more people with disabilities, you know, things like that. Because, um, like, a lot of times we don't realize that people with um, disabilities, let's say, for example, they, they have a lot to offer to, to the workplace, right? And But I think I'm seeing that there is a huge shift in terms of even... Um, like the women's empowerment movement where more women are being um you know moved up and you you're having a more diverse workforce mm-hmm. in in that sense right so um i think it it does make a huge difference and we just need to continue opening up the conversation and really pushing for that type of change we need to keep challenging because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who try to avoid even having the conversations yeah they're ignorant as well. There's a, an intention not to engage in the conversation. No, that's true too. Because it's also not about their interests. Mm-hmm. And you hit it. <laughs> what did I hit? <laughs> it's not about it's not about their agenda. It's not about their interests. And uh, I think that's that's what we also have to be cognizant about. You know, there's a lot of talk about diversity, and there's a lot of talk about um, implementing uh, some mentorship and programming that will. Uh, enhance that capacity for for our our community members work greater inclusivity uh, greater inclusivity it sounds great on paper sure greater 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 it sounds great greater <laughs> so you know, it's you know I mean it's one thing to it's one thing to uh, to sound so great on paper it's another thing to do and I think just having this radio show having these discussions and con- continuing to have the this uh, sort of um, I would like to call them disruptive discussion sometimes mm-hmm. because we really need to disrupt some uh, some uh, some systems in order to build stronger ones um, so um, you know kudos for uh, for something like 
like this to uh, to uh, to occur, uh, Greg. And um, thank you both of you for uh, for putting your um, your amazing thoughts and uh, and ideas into this and uh, reflections. I'm I'm curious because we're I, I'm looking also at the time. What are some of the things that uh, you look to have present in a mediation regarding diversity? So what would be some of the components that you feel are integral to um, diversity and being in, in a mediation? Whichever, whoever wants to. We can also skip it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, this. How do we create diversity in the room? So uh, Cheryl touched upon, um, you know, persons with various abilities, and that is a real need in any mediation um, for for someone who has uh, mental health challenges or physical limitations. They do need to be accommodated accordingly. And one of the, the researches that I did um, into accommodating individuals with mental health uh, challenges is to uh, look at how we are actually. Um, putting in timelines in the process uh, so we need to actually uh, have that conversation with the individual or individuals about the additional support they may need do they need to have um, their their uh, medical health uh, support with them throughout the process as, as I already mentioned this is a this is a, a conversation where um, individuals do feel um, not at their best, uh, you know. I, I said weak, but I don't intend to, to infer weak. Mm -hmm. So having that additional uh, person who knows their uh, medical history, uh, knows certain uh, responses that they may or may not have in in a difficult conversation, that's very important. We also need to look at well, are we are we tied to a time? Should we be? Um, do we need to be more accommodating? Does this conversation need to break down? Uh, into multiple facets where it's actually we can only have a conversation over a fragment of the issue in 45 minutes and then come back again two, three days later when they've had time to think over the issues and actually confirm whether or not they agree to proceed. So those are some of the things that I've seen in research. Um, in practice, I have not had full uh, exposure to it, but I've had the incidences where I said, okay, this person may not be confirmed with um, a mental health limitation or a physical limitation, um, but I need to check my own uh, behaviors just to be sure. Well, you know, Laura and I would concur, I believe, that rather than having the, the parties or the clients mm -hmm. fit into us, we need to adapt to the clients. Right. Yeah. So right. regarding diversity, mm -hmm. difference, individuality, and create the conditions that people can then thus fully engage and participate actively. Why do you think uh, diversity is lacking so much in the mediation profession and its practice? Uh, I think diversity is um, not as strong as it can be in the mediation profession. I, in Ontario, and I'm gonna I'm gonna single it out because I actually do believe uh, diversity is is quite strong uh, internationally. Um, it's just we are we are here in Ontario, so this is what we're seeing. This is what we're living. Um, diversity is um, challenged in Ontario because we are um, following um, some traditional systems, and for many individual uh, in minority groups, they are quite uh, familiar with the traditional means by which to resolve an issue. 
I have a problem with you, I'm going to divorce, I'm going to go to court. I have a problem with you, I am going to sue you. I have a problem with you, I am going to sue you. <laughs> Sorry, just repeat myself there. <laughs> there the, the language of ADR, alternative dispute resolution, is I don't believe is as full as it can be in comprehending what other means by which individuals in minority groups, underrepresented groups, uh, can exercise that that capacity. And if they do exercise that capacity, I think there's a there's a sense of just cause, sorry, uh, due process or um, my day in court, rather. That's the phrase I'm looking for. The, the defaults that right. people traditionally... I, I, I want my day in court. I want to have this fundamental, you know, Johnny Cochran, uh, you know... I'm right, you're wrong, and you're going right. to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Right, And um, we haven't uh, teased out, and I can say that, you know, for my own, you know, little piece of the Caribbean island uh, islands, we haven't teased out sufficient enough communication skills and advocated enough. I mean, there there is actually tremendous work happening right now in the Caribbean to build up conflict resolution skill sets in the schools and through um, some of the various labor practices or through the courts court processes. However, in a community where people are living, breathing, working, having families, that skill set is not there like it's not mm-hmm. innate yet it's not their um, second language yet when it comes to resolving uh, issues so they're going to default to I need a lawyer I need the, the traditional approaches which is uh, right. sue somebody or call the police right and they'll right. come in and rescue us right and you know it, in that capacity also it's it's a challenge for um, our law enforcement to say okay well do I really comprehend where they're coming from in regards to understanding alternative measures? Or, or do I need to actually take a second to explain that? Mm-hmm. And are they going to appreciate that capacity when they're in the heat of a conflict? Mm-hmm. Not likely. So how do, we, how do we create that space? I think it's a lot of advocacy that needs to happen in um, you know, the minority groups. Well, Lauren and I would both propose that the shift be from the de facto template of the system, the justice system, to actually be the community-based approach. Okay. Where it's society as a whole has a better understanding of its own lived experiences right. and its community members and has the knowledge and the experience as to create those options for people to make better decisions about, quote, conflict that happens in their lives. That's a pretty powerful transition. So that that's our our mantra. It, it do I speak for you in some uh, yeah. way? And 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 you do so uh, beautifully. So I thank you. <laughs> um, I I completely agree, and you know that. I mean, the the community members are the the most equipped to uh, to assess, to reflect, and to uh, propose uh, the changes that they uh, they feel they need. Cheryl. <laughs> Laura. I feel like I've said it twice already. In this, <laughs> but l- let's see if we this. Uh, how okay. do you see your own identity influencing how you practice your work, especially with people going through conflict? Okay. So um, in terms of my own identity, I think that, um, you know, coming from a very diverse background, you know, for example, I am Trinidadian, and um, Trinidad is a very diverse culture. So, you know, you got the blacks, the whites, the Indians, and, you know, it's very multicultural. Um, I'll give you an example. So I have worked with typically um, large organizations where it was mostly Caucasian. 
And, uh, you know, I want to first speak in terms of my speaking at large events and in small towns where, you know, the audiences were typically white. And um, in terms of my identity, because I came from such a multicultural background and I'm grounded in myself, um, I am able to really um, to really go out there um, and and be able to I don't want to use the word neutral but but to be able to put myself in each of these different shoes each of the shoes of my clients because I have been able to engage with them and you know for me like seeing another person of another cultural background uh, you know, it's very natural mm -hmm. to me. You know, so in terms of my practice, uh, that um, that has helped to um, to guide me. You know, in terms of how I deal with people, because at the end of the day, while we need to recognize that each person is different, we also need to recognize the similarities, right? We're we're all people, and we come from different backgrounds, different cultures, sexual identity, you know, stuff like that. So. It's all about understanding. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that we, um, our motto in Trinidad is um, like discipline, tolerance, production, mm -hmm. right? So um, y it's that you're, you're disciplined and you're, you're tolerant of each other's culture, background, sexual mm -hmm. identity, you know, etc. So, um, so that plays a, a huge role in how I, um, how I deal with people in my, in my practice. And when it comes to people going through conflict, the same comes into play. You know, it's all about recognition and all about respect. And that um, when someone is going through conflict, they don't always have all their faculties about them, right? So, um, so yeah, I, I would say that's how I deal with it. You, you know, we got a lot more questions, and of course we have limited time. We'll do it off air. Yeah. yeah. Though the people listening won't have the benefit of that rich conversation. I want to thank both of you, Cheryl and Tricia, thank you, Greg. for thank being you. here to, you know, you. agitate somewhat for the conversation. For some of these topics are not comfortable for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the only way you're going to get some social change, some positive social change. And that's what we're about here. So thank you, Laura. Pleasure, Greg. And we'll see you again soon. And uh, you've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.